in the second part of verse 8, which we read a few moments ago, we read, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, when it comes to oh, such things as worship, perhaps a Bible study, times of fellowship, and related activities, it's fairly obvious that the church exists for us to be engaged in these sorts of activities. But it is not near as obvious, at least it seems to me, that when it comes to the aspect of seeking to call the lost to salvation, that that is also what the church exists for. You know, we're very happy when someone new comes and visits on the Lord's Day. And even more so when they join the church. And that's really great. We celebrate that. We praise God for that. But I wonder when it comes to serving Christ specifically to the end for the purpose that someone who does not know Christ, has no idea about Christ, lives in open rebellion to God, that specifically to the end that someone who does not know Christ is converted through the ministry of the church, that that is part of why the church is in existence. And then he becomes a part of the church. This church, or wherever it is, the question is, do we see also as being one of the reasons for why we are in existence? So that would happen. An unbeliever would be converted to Christ. That through the church, others might come to know Christ. In other words, is missions. And I know that you are engaged in missions. I see of your work in, in, in the Brazil, and I thank you for the attention last evening in terms of what is happening in the Philippines. But is missions and seeking growth kind of a nice byproduct of the church? Or is it a fundamental aspect of what the church of Jesus Christ is all about? You know, in the book of Acts, it's where the New Testament church is established. And what we understand as we look at the book of Acts, it's not just recording what happened, but when we look at those things, it is recording for us what the church should look like and what the church is. And there's a great deal to learn there about how we are to function as the church. We understand that when Christ rose from the dead and when he ascended to the throne, he did obviously did not take the church with him. He didn't take the apostles with him. They asked, when, when are we going to be into the kingdom? He left the church here on earth. We all, of course, look to today that we are with him in eternity. But in the meantime... We're here on earth. Why? Do we have a task 
Has he commanded, commissioned you to serve him while here on earth for some purpose, for some end? And if so, what is that purpose? Now, I'm not sure about here in Canada. This is not my first trip into Canada, but uh, I haven't been here that often. But particularly, perhaps even now in the U.S., there is always an element of people, citizens, who are not ready to acknowledge and want to submit to the elected leaders. Now, if you would think for just a moment that if there were perhaps a small amount, but there were a significant number who would organize themselves and say, well, we don't like the people that are in charge over us right now. We are going to simply ignore them. We're going to form our own government, as it were, and we're going to select someone to lead us, and, and that's going to be the rule of our country. What do you suppose at least the majority of the people would say to that? I would at least hope that they would say something like, well, who are you? Who has authorized you to be in charge and to rule? Well, if you think about it, the church of Jesus Christ, I mean, the church proclaims to the world, and whether that's your next-door neighbor who doesn't know, know Christ, or the one down the street, or the one on the other side of the globe, the church says to the, to the world that they are, in fact, in rebellion against God, that they will, if they stay in rebellion, will, will definitely someday go to hell for eternity. And that, in fact, what they need to do is confess their sins and believe in Jesus Christ, and can be part of the body of Christ, the church. Now, if you personally say that to your neighbor, or to anyone that you meet, does not the same question apply? Would they not, in turn, say, well, who are you to tell me that? Who authorized you to make such a statement about my life? You see, faithful preaching of God's word not only reveals the trouble, the difficulty that people are in as a result of the fall into sin and of their own sinful life, but in fact, even more that, the gospel, the word of God, then offers a solution to that problem. And you would go on to say to your neighbor that there is a way to have eternal salvation. It is trusting in Jesus Christ. Think about that for just a moment. Who am I? Who are you? Who is your pastor? That you would actually say that to someone. It's very simple. Repent of your sins. Trust in Christ. And you are certain to have eternal life. Maybe the question that we are really posing this morning is, and more to the point should be asked, can we even say that to someone? Can we say, confess your sins, believe in Jesus Christ, and you shall have salvation? Well, very simply, you are the servants of Jesus Christ. He has authorized you to call the lost to salvation. 
In fact, not only has he authorized the church to do that, he has commanded. It's not an option. It's not a nice thing that we might do. It's a command, the church, to carry out just that very purpose. You know, there, if, if you understand what's happening here in this first chapter of Acts when Jesus is with his disciples and he's about ready to ascend into heaven, there's kind of almost a little bit of a comical thing happening here. Jesus is about to send, ascend into heaven. Now, the disciples had come along and they had found, or at least they believed they had found the Messiah. They thought that was a really a good thing. They were waiting for all kinds of good things to happen. You will remember at one time they were asking, well, who's going to get to sit on the right hand and who's going to get to sit on the left hand? There were all of these great things going to happen. And then Jesus is arrested and crucified on the cross, and it just sort of destroys the whole thing. But then he's back alive again, and now it's going to happen. And so the question is, when are you going to bring in the kingdom? And Jesus sort of looks at them, and they are completely taken aback, because what he's saying, what do you mean? Because what he's saying, I'm leaving you behind. You're going to bring in the kingdom. It's not only does he leave them, but he says, you have to do the dirty work. This is not just a privilege that is yours. You're going to have to sacrifice, give your life for building the church of Jesus Christ. The point being simply, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to be my disciples, if you're going to be my witnesses, then you are going to be my servants. You are here not for a free ride. You are here to serve Christ. Now, the apostles are, of course, not just members of the Church of Christ. They have a very unique, in, in a real way, here in the book of Acts, a one-time task to carry out in the kingdom of Christ. The commission which Christ specifically gives to them and we will unfold that a bit more in just a moment. But it is one that, first of all, is unique just to them. What do I mean by that? Well, it is in this sense. The principle that being a disciple, follower of Christ, is to be a servant, and that task of spreading the kingdom is the cast given to the members of his church. Building the church is an ongoing thing as long as the church is here on earth. But it is, it is to the disciples that that church is established. The foundation is laid for that church. And so, yes, there is a unique command here, but it is by implication then putting into place a church which is ongoing. And that is simply this. As we begin to look at this this morning now, first of all, Simply understand that you are here for the purpose of serving Christ, and that Christ has given that command. It's not an option. So here then is exactly what Jesus said to the disciples. He says, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What does it mean to be witnesses? 
You know, when it comes to the gospel, that word has been reduced down to kind of sort of simply mean, well, I have something I would like to share with you. I want to tell you how good I feel about Jesus, and I would like you to experience that as well. Now, certainly you ought to do that. You ought to tell people about what you believe, and you ought to be ready to not just hide that and say, I don't want to have anybody else to know this. You want to be excited about the truth, and you want everyone to know it. But first understand that what Christ is telling his disciples here, the apostles, is bearing witness in a much more official sense. Think of a witness in a courtroom. Or perhaps when someone comes before Congress, I guess I'm speaking in my U.S. context again, whatever that, that context is, when someone officially is sworn in, is given testimony, and by that the official record of what he states is established. It becomes official truth acknowledged in the record. That's what Jesus commissioned the apostles to do. They were to establish the official record of the fact that the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God is Christ, the Son of God, established through the, the crucifixion of Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which happens right away. And Christ commissions the apostles to not only go to Jerusalem, which is the old covenant people that God has promised the Messiah to, but also to the Samaritans and to the world, the Gentiles. And in a very real way, that's exactly what happened. By the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, that truth is established in Rome, which is the capital of the world. And the fact that Christianity, the church of Jesus Christ, is the truth, is established. Not everybody accepted it, but it is officially established as the church of Jesus Christ. And that's important for at least a couple of different reasons. Everything that is revealed up to now in the Old Testament and through the Gospels with the teaching of Christ, is about what God had promised will be revealed. What God had promised would come about. What he's going to do as he makes promise to Abraham. And there is that information, in regard, there's information that needed telling us exactly. So to the apostles, now what is promised comes to reality. Christ has paid our sins on the cross. He's ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And now it's up to the apostles to lay that foundation. In the book of Ephesians, we read in the second chapter, beginning with verse 19. And so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The apostles tell us exactly by actually establishing church this is what the book of Acts is all about. Now, establishing the church, laying that foundation down to set forth what it should look like, it's accomplished in the book of Acts. And yet, and yet, 
Now as the church continues from generation to generation, or as it is established in different places in the world, we do not go about once again, and again, there's way too much of that going on today. We do not go about and establishing, well, let's figure out a new and a different way to do church. But the one church continues to build on the foundation. One building established by the apostles. We do not remake the church so that, so that, you know, as everybody says, well, we need to be relevant to today's world, so we need to do things differently. We proclaim to the world what is really relevant, which is the truth of God's word, the message of the gospel. Once established, Psalm 2 speaks of the kingship of Christ. You as an individual in the church, as a communion of saints, are the servants of that kingship, that kingdom. So who are you to tell your neighbor and world of the truth of salvation and the reality of hell? You are the servant of Jesus Christ. Christ said, all authority has been given unto me. Go make disciples. That's who you are. That's who has authorized you to say those very things. Now right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when the disciples were told by the Jewish leaders that they were not to speak, you'll remember in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John go and they, they heal the lame man and, and the crowd's all excited and the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leaders said, stop doing that. We command you. And they said, we cannot but speak Christ. We cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. They felt the compulsion to do that very thing. Now as part of this commission... Christ does give some important direction as to what this church should look like. When he says to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he's not just talking about the map. He's not just talking about a particular strategy. Well, it would be best to start here and then move on from there. So, first of all, what kind of a church is this? Jesus, as I've already indicated, was promised of old and sent as the Messiah to the Jews that is the covenant people of God. That is where witness to him is to be established. He is the Messiah that God's people in the Old Testament were looking for. Many today have seen the New Testament church as something different from that of the Old and completely separating, that is absolutely false. Christ came for the people of God, the old covenant. Now, of course, that's in a stage of fulfillment, the promises here. And so the first thing that the disciples need to do is establish the witness of Christ and the truth of what Christ is to God's people in Jerusalem. But it's not just, and this is really, really very important yet today as we understand the implications. It's not just to be for one type of people. Now the Samaritans are sort of, I like to refer to them as halfway Jews. They were people who were not descended from Abraham. They were not the Jews nationally, uh, but they were brought in and they were introduced to Judaism. 
and they were never really accepted by the Jews as being worthy of God's people. Now they are to be brought into the church. And then far beyond that, shock to the people at the time, the language to the ends of the earth was very clear, it meant the Gentiles. In other words, the church of Christ, which is in fact different than any other religion, the church of Christ is never meant for simply a certain type of people or a certain language of people or, or, or nationality of people who speak a certain language. It is from every tribe, every tongue, and every people. The God whom you worship and the message he has authorized you to tell because the truth of it has been established is not for a certain type of people, whether it is people of a certain race or even lifestyle. That message is the call to people to repent and to believe wherever and from whatever lifestyle they come from. How often have you caught yourself looking at someone and saying, well, it'd be a waste of time for me to tell him about the church. He'll never come to church. He is not like us. Well, exactly. Because he's not like us, whatever that might mean, that's why he needs to hear what you testify to as witnesses of Christ established by the apostles. Now this establishment of the reality and authority of the truth of salvation in Christ does also have geographical implications. They were not just to remain in Jerusalem. In fact, God made sure that they did not remain in Jerusalem by bringing great persecution. You will read of that the end of Acts 7 and into Acts chapter 8, the persecution became so bad in Jerusalem they had to leave and go out through Samaria. And God used that as a way to spread the gospel so that wherever they went, they spoke about what they believed. In fact, God made sure that they did that throughout Samaria, proclaimed the message of salvation. They didn't just stick together in their own little group and set up themselves as to wherever they went, but they, in reference to the people, and remember, those were not the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8 at first. The people, wherever they went, spoke of what was in their hearts, what they believed. We read of it in Acts 8 and following. And people responded and heard. Often the book of Acts, I've already implied this, but let's be clear, the book of Acts is not just a book of history a record of the life of Paul or something. It is, in fact, the establishing of the church. Rome is the capital of the world at this time, and by means of the bearing of witness by the apostles, the church is established and goes from a church of one people, God's people in the Old Testament, continuing on in the New Testament, but then... It becomes a world religion for the people of the world. What happens in the book of Acts and what we need to continue to build upon is what God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12 when he said, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, in a sense, I've indicated that's completed in the book of Acts. Paul is in Rome. The church is established in Rome. The church is established in the world. 
but a church with an answer for life and with deep concern for all who are out there. Jesus set a goal before the disciples. He said, be faithful to the scriptures to see a goal of which fits the one set before them. The basis for a continuous goal of building the church on that foundation is laid. You know, there are There are many people who would say that a conservative, we understand that word correctly, that a conservative reformed church is today an old-fashioned, tradition-bound church. And you know, it is also very easy to fall into a trap and to say, well, yes, and that is exactly what we want to be. And if that's the case, that we are small, then so be it, that's fine. We're going to be bound to what we've always done. First Peter 2 describes the church as living stones built up into a spiritual house. That church of living stones is one church built on the foundation of the apostles. Away from or apart from that foundation, there is no church that's true. The true church of Jesus Christ, in fact, never becomes old-fashioned. It is never just about, well, that is the way we've always done it before. We should not seek to be a church that hasn't changed. We should seek to be a church which is always faithful to Christ. A church truly built on the foundation laid by the apostles with Christ being the cornerstone. Now that does mean that first of all truth, worship, the message to the lost, and the desire to see the lost saved, has not and does not change. That truth is about seeking to understand and to understand better, and always reforming, always seeking to better understand the truth, Lay down and to be relevant. Not because this is what the world says is relevant today, but to be relevant because the gospel of the apostolic church in the book of Acts, because it is the truth of Christ, that is relevant to the world today, always will be. In addition, part of what does not change is just as the disciples, just as those who went into Samaria and proclaimed the message, and just as those later in Antioch sought the need to send out missionaries to the Gentile world, to the lost, to the sinful world, just as of these saw that they were servants of Christ by their work and sacrifice, the advancement of the kingdom would take place. You and I must see ourselves, yes, in our own little context, wherever God has put you, with the particular gifts and opportunities that the Lord has set before you, you must see yourself ready to be servants in a sacrificial way unto the end of serving God for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ. To be a church that is established in Acts, to be truly an apostolic church 
is to be a church of servants for Christ and being used of him to expand the kingdom. Yes, it means a whole host of other things as well, that we serve him and all that we do and we acknowledge the kingship of Jesus and all that we do and all so, uh, those sorts of things. But fundamentally and first of all to understand, to expand the kingdom of Jesus Christ to all those for whom Christ has come and died on the cross. It is not about counting numbers. Much about church growth is about, well, what are the numbers? And what best brings in the numbers? And that sort of thing. It is not about nice facilities even. Although we ought to make the possibility of someone being ready to come and hear what you have to say as, as inviting as possible without compromising the truth. It is about serving Christ. And about being willing to do and to give what it takes to carry out that service. Congregation, you are to go to your neighbor. You are to go to those down the street. You are to be concerned about their welfare with the gospel. Who are you to do so? Well, you are the servant of Christ. You are the servant of Christ established formally and legally by the apostles commissioned by Christ and as they have established by their witness to the truth and laid that foundation, we continue on that foundation. Are we going to be like the disciples asking Jesus, when will he build his church? When is he going to bring people in? Or are we going to be ready, being filled by the Holy Spirit, poured out on the church, and are we going to be ready to use of Christ and the building of his church? Yes, it is Christ who will add to his church. We understand that very clearly. We know that no one can save and change someone else's heart except God. But he does that through the preaching of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. He has called you by the means by which he will accomplish that very thing. Are you ready? To serve Christ. Let us pray. Our God and Father, what a joy it is to know that we would be used of you, we weak, sinful humans, called by, by God, sanctified by Christ, ready to serve you as his servants to advance your kingdom. We pray, O oh God, that we might be ready that we might be willing, that we might be willing to give ourselves, we pray that all those whom Christ would bring into his church would hear, because the church is faithful to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.